Welcome to First Words, a podcast presented by the First United Methodist Church of Florence. Today's message is brought to you by Senior Pastor Reverend Dale Cohen. October 10th, 2021, No Greater Love, Part 1. I want to welcome you to our podcast today. I am talking about No Greater Love and I'm going to be focusing specifically on priorities. I want to use Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33, where we read, and these are the words of Jesus, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's begin by examining our priorities. Chris Spielman played football at Ohio State University, where he was a two-time All-American at linebacker and the winner of the Lombardi Award. He went on to play in the NFL with the Detroit Lions, where he was three-time All-Pro. Football was his passion, or so everyone thought. In 1998, Chris quit football to care for his wife, Stephanie, who was diagnosed with breast cancer. He turned his full attention to being there for her and their children. Chris even moved into her hospital room to be there if she needed anything. And when Stephanie lost her hair from chemotherapy, he shaved his head. He gave her 100% of his time, attention, and energy. Stephanie's cancer eventually went into remission. Unfortunately, it returned several times over the next 10 years. After her fifth bout with the disease, Stephanie died in 2009. Chris had no regrets about stepping away from football. He said, this is my family. This is my responsibility. This is my duty. Chris knew what was most important to him. Now imagine your day-to-day responsibilities as if they were balls that you're juggling in the air. Some of the balls are glass and others are rubber. The glass balls represent the important stuff like family, your health, your relationships, and your relationship with God. The rubber balls are those things that are not as critical in the larger perspective of our lives. If you drop a rubber ball, it bounces with no harm done. 
but if you drop a glass ball, it shatters, and you're left with nothing but a mess. Jesus identified some of the rubber balls for us in our reading for today. He said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus isn't saying that food, drink, and clothing are unimportant. What he's saying is that in the economy of God, there is enough for everybody. There's nothing to worry about if we're living the way God intends for human beings to live. He described the economy in the kingdom of God this way. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? There is enough in God's economy where everyone has what they need. But it's our relentless pursuit of more that creates abundance for some and scarcity for others. If our priority is accumulating more stuff, then the important things like our relationships and responsibility to our community will suffer. It's been said, love people and use things. Don't use people and love things. For Jesus, the kingdom of God is a glass ball that we need to focus on as we choose where to put our time, attention, and energy. Again, in the scripture, Jesus said, therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Focusing on lesser things than the kingdom of God jeopardizes our ability to accomplish greater things. If our primary goal is accumulating more for ourselves, our vision is self-centered and unsustainable. If we long for the kingdom of God and passionately pursue it, everything else falls into place. Not only do we have all we need, but everyone else does too. So let's talk about getting a grip on what matters. A critical factor in making a difference in this world is understanding how our hopes and dreams impact our day-to-day -day decisions. What we want determines our direction. If I'm canoeing on a lake and I want to go to the other side, it's essential to keep my eyes focused on the destination as I paddle. Otherwise, the wind and the current will take me in another direction. If I'm distracted by unimportant things, I may not end up anywhere close to where I wanted to go. Likewise, to fulfill my priorities in life requires maintaining my focus on what matters. I must consciously direct my time 
energy, and attention in such a manner that my effort leads me to my intended destination. Losing focus causes me to drift wherever the path of least resistance takes me. Often we find ourselves where we don't want to be because we misunderstand what I refer to as shadow priorities. Shadow priorities are the unconscious needs that operate beneath the surface, sabotaging our attempts at reaching our stated goals. Our regrets help us identify the shadow priorities that are at work in our lives. Paul understood this when he said this, Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Bonnie Ware, a palliative care nurse, wrote a book on the top five regrets of the dying. She describes these five things as first, I wished I dared to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. One of the biggest regrets is not living the life we dream of. In trying to fulfill the expectations of others, we put our dreams on hold and we find ourselves trapped by our circumstances that include obligations, debt, and responsibilities, things we never wanted in the first place. The remedy to this is to honor our values and pursue our dreams. The second regret is, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. We spend a lot of time working. We do this in exchange for the money we need to survive and ensure a decent quality of life for ourselves and our families. But there's a difference between working and losing ourselves in work. Time is a limited resource that we can't buy back, so we must spend it wisely. And here I would say the remedy is to invest in meaningful work, but leave space in your life for other activities. The third regret is, I wished I dared to share my feelings. Emotions exist whether we acknowledge their presence or not. No matter how much we try to run from our emotions, they're always with us. Unfortunately, fearing rejection or criticism, we resort to denial and avoidance, or at least we convince ourselves that our feelings don't matter. To be healthy, though, we must express our emotions, or they'll come out in unhealthy and destructive ways. And here the remedy is to own your vulnerabilities, to speak honestly and express your emotions. The fourth regret of the dying is, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. People often regret their lack of attention to once meaningful relationships, later lost due to neglect. We must make room in our busy lives for those who have played a vital role in shaping who we are today. And so the remedy for this regret is to remember that love and relationships contribute more to happiness than money. The fifth and final regret is, I wish I had let myself be happier. This regret stems from a misconception about what it means to be happy. We say, I'll be happy when in effect passing the responsibility for our happiness to something or someone else 
or relegating it to another time. We don't need to wait for something to happen for us to be happy. Happiness is a choice right here, right now. Now we may need help getting there, but happiness awaits us if we choose to be happy. And that's the remedy. Choose happiness despite our circumstances. These five regrets reveal the priorities in our lives that are either rubber or glass. And Mark Twain said it best, to change your life, you need to change your priorities. So how can we clarify what matters most? I want to suggest some priorities for you to consider as you decide in your own circumstance what matters most to you. First, I believe it's important for us to pursue a growing relationship with God. Not putting God first is like buttoning your coat incorrectly. All the other buttons will be wrong if you get the first button wrong. The good news is when you get the first button right, then all the others will line up too. So as you put God first, everything else in your life will begin to line up as well. And Jesus said as much in our reading where he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, this leads to the second priority. And that is nurturing healthy relationships with family and friends. Now, this point could be a whole sermon in itself, so I'll save more on this for another day. However, in 1938, a group of researchers from Harvard began studying this simple question, what factors contribute to a long and happy life? After more than 80 years of a longitudinal study and thousands of participants, researchers discovered that meaningful relationships are the number one predictor of lasting happiness and health. So the quality of our lives depends on the quality of our relationships. A third priority that I want to suggest is that of caring for our physical and emotional health. As important as relationships are, none of that matters if we aren't healthy in mind and body. We need to prioritize our health, both physical and emotional health. We need to prioritize exercise, stretching, sleeping, stimulating our minds, eating well, and remembering everything in moderation. In 1 Corinthians, we read this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Fourth priority that I want to suggest is that of learning and growing at every life stage. The moment we stop learning is the moment our lives begin to stagnate. Consider ways to develop new skills and learn new things, whether self-taught or if you receive instruction from someone else. But make it a priority to constantly learn something new and life will be more exciting and fresher. It's been said the capacity to learn is a gift, the ability to learn is a skill, the willingness to learn is a choice. 
The fifth priority that I want to suggest is to engage in meaningful work. We often describe our work as our vocation, and vocation is a theological term that means calling. Our work should be a calling. Although we may work for others, ultimately we're working for God. In Colossians we read, whatever your task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord and not for your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You serve the Lord Christ. The sixth priority is securing our financial future. Accumulating wealth shouldn't be our main priority, but it's essential to provide a certain amount of money for our future to feel secure. We can't let making money become our sole focus, but we can use our resources not only for ourselves, but for others too. If our financial focus is only on us, we're treading on dangerous ground. In 1 Timothy, we read this, But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Wealth used rightly is God-honoring and pure. Wealth used wrongly is destructive. We must guard our hearts when it comes to our financial well-being. The last priority that I want to share with you is that we need to extend care into our community. We can't be effective witnesses for Jesus unless we engage with the communities in which we live. If we're not willing to reach out and provide care to the hurting people who live among us, then we lose touch with God. In John, when Jesus was praying for his disciples and for us, he prayed this to his Father, As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Our church has a history of ministering in this community that goes back 200 years. Although there were times when we needed the community to come to our aid, I think the reason the community responded was because of the history that we have of giving to anyone who has a need. So as we conclude today, I want us to think about tapping into God's self-giving love. When we think about our priorities, we're formulating how to order our lives around our values. And if we're successful at this, our lives and what we say is important to us will be synchronized. Jesus exemplified this when he allowed himself to be put to death on the cross to conquer the power of death in our lives. John's Gospel says this, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. God wants us to emulate his self-giving in setting the priorities for our lives. We're in the season of the year when the church asks us to make a financial commitment, a pledge to give to God through our church in 2022. Because we all have limited resources, 
making a pledge or giving to the church is something that we must plan for and prioritize or we may not give. On Sunday, October 31st, we'll have an opportunity to present our pledges. Now, if you're not a member of this church, we do not expect that you'll pledge. You're welcome to, but we don't have that expectation. And next week, as we continue our series on No Greater Love, I'll talk about the need for developing discipline in our giving as a way of offering ourselves to God. In the meantime, I pray for God's direction for all of us as we make our plans to give. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Words. For information about our services or how to get involved in the community, visit us at fumcflorence.org and on facebook.com slash florencefumc.